Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to start a new book, The House of Hades, and we're going to read chapters 1 to 2. And in the previous episode, we ended the book, The Mark of Athena, on quite a cliffhanger, and in which Percy and Annabeth had fallen through Tartarus to find one of the the, um, two parts of the Doors of Death. Meanwhile... Percy had told Leo and the other and the rest of the crew on to find the other side of the door of the doors of death so that they're able to finally have a stand against Gaia. So it certainly was a great and way to end the uh, end the book and I think that this book is going to give us a lot of the answers that maybe we're searching for and hopefully we'll see that Percy and Annabeth are able to triumphantly come out in finding the doors of death as well as being able to help fight Gaia. So we're going to read chapter one, Hazel, and after we read the two chapters, I will also be doing some shout outs and some questions. So stay tuned for that. Chapter one, Hazel. During the third attack, Hazel almost ate a boulder. She was peering into the fog, wondering how it could be so difficult to fly across one stupid mountain range. When the ship's alarm bell sounded, Hard to port! Nico yelled from the foremast of the flying ship. Back at the helm, Leo yanked the wheel. The Argo II veered left, its aerial oars slashing through the clouds like rows of knives. Hazel made the mistake of looking over the rail. A dark, spherical shape hurtled toward her. She thought, why is the moon coming at us? Then she yelped and hit the deck. The huge rock passed so close overhead, it blew her hair out of her face. Crack! The foremast collapsed. Sail, spars, and Nico all crashing to the deck. The boulder, roughly the size of a pickup truck, tumbled off into the fog like it had important business elsewhere. Nico! Hazel scrambled over to him as Leo brought the ship level. <clears throat> I'm fine, Nico muttered, kicking folds of canvases off his legs. She helped him up and they stumbled to the bow. Hazel peeked over more carefully this time. The clouds parted just long enough to reveal the top of the mountain below them. A spearhead of black rock jutting from mossy green slopes. Standing at the summit was a mountain god, one of the Numina Montanum, Jason had called him, or Ore in Greek. Whatever you called them, they were nasty. Like the others they had faced, this one wore a simple white tunic over skin as rough and dark as basalt. He was about 20 feet tall and extremely muscular, with a flowing white beard, scraggly hair, and a wild look in his eyes, like a crazy hermit. He bellowed something Hazel didn't understand, but it obviously wasn't welcoming. With his bare hands, he pried another chunk of rock from his mountain and began shaping it into a ball. The scene disappeared in the fog, but when the mountain god bellowed again, another Numina answered in the distance, their voices echoing through the valleys. Stupid rock gods, Leo yelled from the helm. That's the third time I've had to replace that mast. You think they grow on trees? Nico frowned. Masts are from trees. Mm, That's not the point. Leo snatched up one of his controls, rigged from a Nintendo Wii stick, and spun it in a circle. A few feet away, a trapdoor opened in the deck. A celestial bronze cannon rose. Hazel just had time to cover her ears before it discharged into the sky, spraying a dozen metal spheres that trailed green fire. 
The spheres grew spikes in midair, like helicopter blades, and hurtled away into the fog. A moment later, a series of explosions crackled across the mountains, followed by the outraged roars of mountain gods. Ha! Leo yelled. Unfortunately, Hazel guessed, judging from their last two encounters, Leo's newest weapon had only annoyed the Numina. Another boulder whistled through the air off to their starboard side. Nico yelled, Get us out of here! Leo muttered some unflattering comments about Numina, but he turned the wheel. The engines hummed. Magical rigging lashed itself tight and the ship tacked to port. The Ark of the Second picked up speed, retreating northwest, as they'd been doing for the past two days. Hazel didn't relax until they were out of the mountains. The fog cleared. Below them, morning sunlight illuminated the Italian countryside. Rolling green hills and golden fields not too different from those in Northern California. Hazel could almost imagine she was sailing home to Camp Jupiter. The thought weighed on her chest. Camp Jupiter had only been her home for nine months, since Nico had brought her back from the underworld. But she missed it more than her birthplace of New Orleans, and definitely more than Alaska, where she died back in 1942. She missed her bunk in the fifth cohort of barracks, barracks. She missed dinners in the mess hall with wind spirits, whisking platters through the air and legionnaires joking about the war games. She wanted to wander the streets of New Rome, holding hands with Frank Zane. She wanted to experience just being a regular girl for once, with an actual, sweet, caring boyfriend. Most of all, she wanted to feel safe. She was tired of being scared and worried all the time. She stood on the quarterdeck as Nico picked mass splinters out of his arms and Leo punched buttons on the ship's console. Well, that was sucktastic, Leo said. Should I wake the others? Hazel was tempted to say yes, but the other crew members had taken the night shift and had earned their rest. They were exhausted from defending the ship. Every few hours, it seemed, some Roman monster had decided the Argo II looked like a tasty treat. A few weeks ago, Hazel wouldn't have believed that anyone could sleep through a Numina attack. But now she imagined her friends were still snoring away below decks. Whenever she got a chance to crash, she slept like a coma patient. They need rest, she said. We'll have to figure out another way on our own. Huh. Leo scowled at his monitor. In his tattered work shirt and grease-splattered jeans, he looked like he just lost a wrestling match with a locomotive. Ever since their friends Percy and Annabeth had fallen into Tartarus, Leo had actually wor been working non-stop. He'd been acting angrier and even more driven than usual. Hazel worried about him, but part of her was relieved by the change. Whenever Leo smiled and joked, he looked too much like Sammy, his great-grandfather, Hazel's first boyfriend, back in 1942. Ugh, why did her life have to be so complicated? Another way, Leo muttered. Do you see one? On his monitor glowed a map of Italy. The Apennine Mountains ran down the middle of the boot-shaped country. A green dot for the Argo II blinked on the western side of the range, a few hundred miles north of Rome. Their path should have been simple. They needed to get to a place called Epirus in Greece and find an old temple called the House of Hades. Or Pluto, as the Romans called him. Or, as Hazel liked to think of him, the world's worst absent father. To reach Epirus, all they had to do was go straight east over the Apennines and across the Adriatic Sea. 
But it hadn't worked out that way. Each time they tried to cross the spine of Italy, the mountain gods attacked. For the past two days, they'd skirted north, hoping to find a safe pass with no luck. The Numina Montanum were sons of Gaia, Hazel's least favorite goddess. That made them very determined enemies. The Argo II couldn't fly high enough to avoid their attacks, and even with all its defenses, the ship couldn't make it across the range without being smashed to pieces. It's our fault, Hazel said. Nico's and mine. The Numina can sense us. She glanced at her half-brother. Since they'd rescued him from the giants, he'd started to regain his strength, but he was still painfully thin. His black shirt and jeans hung off his skeletal frame. Long, dark hair framed his sunken eyes. His olive complexion had turned a sickly greenish-white, like the color of tree sap. In human years, he was barely 14, just a year older than Hazel. But that didn't tell the whole story. Like Hazel, Nico D'Angelo was a demigod from another era. He radiated a kind of old energy, a melancholy that came from knowing he didn't belong in the modern world. Hazel hadn't known him for very long, but she understood, even shared his sadness. The children of Hades, Pluto, whichever, rarely had happy lives, and judging from what Nico had told her the night before, their biggest challenge was yet to come when they reached the house of Hades, a challenge he'd implored her to keep secret from the others. Nico gripped the hilt of his Stygian iron sword. Earth spirits don't like children of the underworld. That's true. We get under their skin. Literally. But I think the Numina could sense this ship anyway. We're carrying the Athena Parthenos. That thing is like a magical beacon. Hazel shivers, thinking of the massive statue that took up most of the hold. They'd sacrificed so much saving it from the cavern under Rome, but they had no idea what to do with it. So far, the only thing it seemed to be good for was alerting more monsters to their presence. Leo traced his finger down the map of Italy. So, crossing the mountains is out. Thing is, they go a long way in either direction. We could go by sea, Hazel suggested. Sail around the southern tip of Italy. That's a long way, Nico said. Plus, we don't have... His voice cracked. You know... Our sea expert, Percy. The name hung in the air like an impending storm. Percy Jackson, son of Poseidon. Probably the demigod Hazel admired most. He'd saved her life so many times on their quest to Alaska. But when he had needed Hazel's help in Rome, she'd failed him. She'd watched, powerless, as he and Annabeth had plunged into that pit. Hazel took a deep breath. Percy and Annabeth were still alive. She knew that in her heart, she could still help them if she could get to the house of Hades, if she could survive the challenge Nico had warned her about. What about continuing north? She asked. There has to be a break in the mountains. Or something. Leo fiddled with the bronze Archimedes sphere that he'd installed on the console, his newest and most dangerous toy. Every time Hazel looked at a thing, her mouth went dry. She'd worried that Leo would turn the wrong combination on the sphere and accidentally eject them all from the deck, or blow up the ship, or turn the Argo II into a giant toaster. Fortunately, they got lucky. The sphere grew a camera lens and projected a 3D image of the Apennine Mountains above the console. I don't know. Leo examined the hologram. I don't see any good passes to the north. 
But I like that idea better than backtracking south. I'm done with Rome. No one argued with that. Rome had not been a good experience. Whatever we do, Nico said, we have to hurry. Every day that Annabeth and Percy are in Tartarus, he didn't need to finish. They had hoped, they had to hope Percy and Annabeth could survive long enough to find the Tartarus side of the doors of death. Then, assuming that Arya II could reach the House of Hades, they might be able to open the doors on the mortal side, save their friends, and seal the entrance, stopping Gaia's forces from being reincarnated in the mortal world over and over. Yes, nothing could go wrong with that plan. Nico scowled at the Italian countryside below them. Maybe we should wake the others. This decision affects us all. No, Hazel said. We can find a solution. She wasn't sure why she felt so strongly about it, but since leaving Rome, the crew had lost, started to lose its cohesion. They'd been learning to work as a team, then BAM! Their two most important members fell into Charteris. Percy had been their backbone. He'd given them confidence as they sailed across the Atlantic and into the Mediterranean. As for Annabeth, she'd been the de facto leader of the quest. She'd recovered the Athena Parthenos single-handedly. She was the smartest of the seven. The one with the answers. If Hazel woke up the rest of the crew every time they had a problem, they'd just start arguing again, feeling more and more hopeless. She had to make Percy and Annabeth proud of her. She had to take the initiative. She couldn't believe her only role in this quest would be what Nico had warned her of, removing the obstacle waiting for them in the House of Hades. She pushed the thought aside. We need some creative thinking, she said. Another way to cross those mountains, or a way to hide ourselves from the Numina. Nico sighed. <sighs> if I was on my own, I could shadow travel, but that wouldn't work for an entire ship. And honestly, I'm not sure if I have the strength to even transport myself anymore. I could maybe rig some kind of camouflage, Leo said. Like a smoke screen to hide us in the clouds. He didn't sound very enthusiastic. Hazel stared down at the rolling farmland, thinking about what lay beneath it. The realm of her father, lord of the underworld. She'd only met Pluto once, and she hadn't even realized who he was. She certainly had never expected help from him. Not when she was alive the first time, not during her time as a spirit in the underworld, and not since Nico had brought her back to the world of the living. Her dad's servant, Thanatos, god of death, had suggested that Pluto might be doing Hazel a favor by ignoring her. After all, she wasn't supposed to be alive. If Pluto took notice of her, he might have to return her to the land of the dead. Which meant calling on Pluto would be a very bad idea. And yet... Please, Dad. She found herself praying. I have to find a way to your temple in Greece. The house of Hades. If you're down there, show me what to do. At the edge of the horizon, a flicker of movement caught her eye. Something small and beige racing across the fields at incredible speed, leaving a vapor trail like a plane's. Hazel couldn't believe it. She didn't dare to hope. But it had to be. Arian. What? Nico asked. Leo let out a happy whoop as the dust, got, dust cloud got closer. It's a horse, man! You missed the whole part! You haven't seen him since Kansas! Hazel laughed. The first time she laughed in days. Felt so good to see her old friend. About a mile north, the small beige dot circled a hill and stopped at the summit. It was difficult to make out, but when the horse reared and whinnied, the sound carried all the way to the Ark of the Second. Hazel had no doubt. It was Arian. We have to meet him, she said. He's here to help. 
Yeah, okay. Leo scratched his head. But, uh, we talked about not landing the ship on the ground anymore, remember? You know, with Gaia wanting to destroy us and all. Just get me close, and I'll use the rope ladder. Hazel's heart was pounding. I think Arian wants to tell me something. And that's the end of chapter one. Wow, that certainly was a very fascinating chapter. I certainly thought that we would start immediately with either Percy or Annabeth and their experience, but I think it's more... It's much more of a fresher take on um, on the whole book, like just starting off with seeing how it is above. Because as Hazel pointed out, Percy and Annabeth were, ta- were kind of like the backbone of the group. They were the ones who were keeping that... They were the glue that put the group together. And when that glue is gone, what happens to the group? So it's kind of already showing apparently that like, you know, it's kind of falling apart. They don't have a reason to stick together or they don't have a reason or any motivation other than saving Percy and Annabeth. But it seems like even for this group, that's not a big of a big of a motivation enough. That's not enough of a motivation for them to stick together and to formulate a plan. So... It's going to be fascinating to see maybe who's going to be the leader, who's going to be the one that actually pulls everyone together. It might be someone expected, someone unexpected. We don't know. So we'll have to see what happens to that. But anyway, I think that this was a great way to start the book. I think it was definitely a very interesting take. And I think that seeing our a different perspective, seeing a perspective in which there is no Percy or there is no Annabeth, seeing how that's going to go is going to be very fascinating. So we'll have to see. So after this after this break, don't go anywhere. Maybe grab a little snack or, you know, grab anything and get ready to read this next chapter with me. And we're back from the ads. And now we're going to read chapter two, Hazel. Hazel had never felt so happy. Well, except for maybe on the night of the victory feast at Camp Jupiter, when she kissed Frank for the first time. But this was a close second. As soon as she reached the ground, she ran to Arian and threw her arms around him. Oh, I missed you! She pressed her face into the horse's warm neck, which smelled of sea salt and apples. Where have you been? Arian nickered. Hazel wished she could speak horse like Percy could, but she got the general idea. Arian sounded impatient as if saying, No time for cinnamon, girl! Come on! You want me to go with you? She guessed. Arian bobbed his head, trotting in place. His dark brown eyes gleamed with urgency. Hazel still couldn't believe he was actually here. He could run across any surface, even the sea, but she'd been afraid he wouldn't follow them into the ancient lands. The Mediterranean was too dangerous for demigods and their allies. He wouldn't have come unless Hazel was in dire need, and he seemed so agitated. Anything that could make a fearless horse skittish should have terrified Hazel. Instead, she felt elated. She was so tired of being seasick and airsick. Aboard the Ark of the Second, she felt about as useful as a box of ballast. She was glad to be back on solid ground, even if it was Gaia's territory. She was ready to ride. Hazel, Nico called down from the ship. What's going on? It's fine. She crouched down and summoned a gold nugget from the earth. She was getting better at controlling her powers. Precious stones hardly ever popped up around her by accident anymore. And pulling gold from the ground was easy. She fed Arian the nugget, his favorite snack. Then she smiled up at Leo and Nico, who were watching her from the top of the ladder, a hundred feet above. Arian wants to take me somewhere, 
The boys exchanged nervous looks. Uh, Leo pointed north. Please tell me he's not taking you into that. Hazel had been so focused on Arian, she hadn't noticed the disturbance. A mile away on the crest of the next hill, a storm had gathered over some old stone ruins. Maybe the remains of a Roman temple or a fortress. A funnel cloud snaked its way down toward the hill like an inky black finger. Hazel's mouth tasted like blood. She looked at Arian. You want to go there? Arian whinnied as if to say, uh, duh. Well, Hazel had asked for help. Was this her dad's answer? She hoped so, but she sensed something besides Pluto at work in that storm. Something dark, powerful, and not necessarily friendly. Still, this was her chance to help her friends, to lead instead of follow. She tied in the straps of her imperial gold cavalry sword and climbed into Arian's back. I'll be okay, she called up to Nico and Leo. Stay put and wait for me. Wait for how long? Nico asked. What if you don't come back? Don't worry. I will, she promised, hoping it was true. She spurred Arian and he shot across the countryside, heading straight for the growing tornado. And that's the end of chapter two. I think Hazel's kind of... Well, first of all, before we get into the analysis, I think that that was also, while it was a very short chapter, I think it was definitely a fascinating way to, you know, go about it. And I think these two chapters were really more onto Hazel and her inner feelings. It was more about how her insecurities also started coming out, how essentially everybody in this group has their own insecurities. And I think that it's in turn in they've kind of turned those insecurities as kind of like a battle both external and internal so you see these arguments between between everybody in the group as well as an internal battle of what do they need to do because now percy and annabeth aren't here so they're kind of struggling on what exactly do they need to do are they the ones that are supposed to be the leader are they the ones that are just supposed to follow it's that kind of confusion that ambiguity that's just not there and that's what's really i think confusing everybody and putting everybody in this state of distress so i think that these two chapters although short i think that they were very very meaningful and i think it helps us examine what exactly happens when some when people like percy and annabeth aren't there you know what kind of impact does that leave on the group so i think that that was definitely one of the a, a great way to start the chapter to start the book but yeah without further ado i think we're gonna move on to everyone's favorite time which are shout outs and questions so i'm gonna do some shout outs first and then i'll move on to the questions so let's do number one is luna number two is silver be happy number three is houston number four is libby number five is annie number f- six i think i'm on six um hashtag team leo and number seven loink if i missed anybody please let me know and i will be sure i'll try my best to shout you out in the next episode now moving on to the questions uh our first question is is this my first time reading the books and actually yes it is um i haven't read any of the percy jackson books before I did read a little bit of Lightning Thief, you know, years ago, but I didn't really get that far into it. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't, I did not read much 
I did not read any of the books at all, except for maybe The Lightning Thief, a little bit of it, and that was pretty much it, but, um, you know, I'm glad I, that I was able to, you know, go on this journey of reading the books because, you know, I've loved Greek mythology for so long, and I think reading this is just another way for me to enjoy, you know, my passion and my love for that topic. So I think that this definitely, you know, puts a spin and a humor onto it, and I'm really glad that I was able to, you know, read, that I'm able to read these books with you guys as well. Now, moving on to number two, uh, it was, I think this is a very popular question. I saw this a lot. It was, who is my favorite main character as well as who is my favorite side character? So I think I'm going to do my side character first and then move on to my main character. Um, my favorite side character is, I think, Coach Hedge. And I think I'm usually, I'm usually the one that really enjoys the comic relief when it comes to you know anything when it comes to tv shows when it comes to books and i think that coach hedge is probably the reason why i pick him as my favorite because he's not only the comic the comedy relief but as well as i think that he likes to challenge things head on and sometimes that's not wise but it's admirable i think that sometimes in like when it comes to challenges in the real life as well it's hard to deal with them head on it's hard to you know just say i'm ready to go into it sometimes you're hesitating sometimes you feel like you don't want to do it but i think that coach hedge is such a great example because he just goes in for it he doesn't think of any repercussions and he just is so fearless and just deals with it like at first thought no hesitations and i think that that's what's really admirable about him so i think that you know that side was also something that spoke to me a lot now Moving on to my uh, favorite main character, I would probably say it's Leo. Now, obviously with Coach Hedge, I also said I do like comedy and the comic relief. And I think that's where I connect a lot to Leo as well. I think that the comic side of him is what pulled me in to, you know, having him as my main as my favorite in the first place. But I think over time after you know reading chapters you know from his perspective i think that a lot of the time he has these two traits that i also have i tend to have and i think that it's that he's easily misunderstood or sometimes he's misunderstood when he means the best and other times it's also that he overthinks a lot and i think that those are the two traits that i connect to a lot you know when it comes to me in the real world and I think that that was what made me have him as my favorite character because the way he's able to handle things, the way he's still struggling with those things and how he's slowly progressing through those is what I think is true. That's what I really like about his character development. And I think that I can apply some of those things that he does in the book as well as I can do in real life. And I think that that's one of my main reasons why I choose him as my favorite main character. And um, our third and final question is, um, would I rather go to Camp Half-Blood or Camp Jupiter? I probably would choose both, but I think I have different reasons because I would probably go to Camp Half-Blood for, you know, all the way until maybe I'm like an adult or maybe until like, you know, I retire because I think that Camp Half-Blood definitely has this easygoing mood. And I think that it's much more enjoyable and less cutthroat than compared to Camp Jupiter. And honestly, I think that, 
you know, I, I like, I, I would much rather prefer uh, an environment in which, like, it's not everybody vying for a spot for Praetor, and instead everybody's enjoying their life, their time, and if they be camp counselor, then so be it, they're camp counselor, but it's not as much of a competition in Camp Half-Blood than compared to Camp Jupiter, and that environment is probably sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not the best, and sometimes I'm not comfortable with it, but I feel like New Rome is probably where I would want to go after retirement. I think that's where I would probably want to stay because it's a place in which, you know, I would be safe because I am a demi if I was a demigod, I would be safe there and I would get to re- and I, you know, I would be able to stay there after retirement, have, you know, deal with what do whatever I want and I think that it would rather be a nicer place for me after retirement than rather be there during my younger years. So yeah, that's all we have for questions. Let me know if I skipped any. And if you guys would like me to shout out your name, then let me know as well. Or if I've forgotten any of your names, I'm sorry. Um, I'll try my best to shout you on in the next episode. And um, if I did forget to um, answer some of the questions that I that you guys may, may have asked in the last episode... It might have been because I was maybe uncomfortable with asking, with answering them, so I apologize. But if you guys have any questions relating to the books, maybe like something related to, you know, the questions I answered, feel free to ask those. Um, it's just based on my level of comfort. Um, I apologize, uh, but, you know, I would just thank you guys, though, for asking those questions, and I appreciate it. I appreciate answering these types of questions, and I had a lot of fun. So next week, we will continue to read this with chapters three and four. And I hope you guys continue to enjoy this as we continue to venture into the House of Hades. So until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.